one more notice tonight. There is no opening on the worship team for anyone who is handy with a zither. Um, <laughs> harps and lies are all sorted, I'm told. Um, but Rory, thanks, thanks for that. And uh, if you're a magistrate, satrap, or prefect, uh, we, we could do with you as well. Um, good evening, one and all. Uh, my name is Jamie Mulvaney. I'm an associate minister here. It's great to see you, if we haven't met before, uh, a particularly warm welcome to you. And uh, last week, we began looking at this reality of exile uh, through the book of Daniel and God's people in Babylon. And uh, it's impossible. It's impossible to overstate just what an ordeal uh, these young men have been through, torn from their families, from their homes, from their meeting place with God, utterly humiliated, and um, they are transported 600 miles across the desert from Jerusalem to uh, a strange land. And uh, today, today people are feeling lost, they're feeling uh, disillusioned, we have people uh, deconstructing their faith, don't really know what to believe anymore, don't really know what to trust anymore. People losing their, their passion for Jesus Christ, which is not really all that surprising, is it? Because you and I, there is there's so much coming against, so much working against our relationship with God in the environment uh, around us. And uh, with, with Babylon in the Bible, and uh, Babylon that we experience today. Babylon represents uh, this rebellion towards God. Uh, last week, I began this series by looking at what it means to be followers of resolve and of resilience. And the, the really startling research that we, we looked at, that at best, 10% of those who are associated with the church uh, could be described as being resilient followers of Jesus. Um, and tonight, what I want to do is to, to think more about being resolved and being resilient, and how we can do that when, when the heat is on and when we're thrown into the fire. And uh, today we meet, as you've heard, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In the end, Louisa and I decided to go with the name Rupert. Um, but they were good options. They were great options. Right up there with Archie and, and Oscar and, and, and Wilfred. And, um, and, and what we see is, is that, that these three young men, they're, they're about to go into the furnace. And uh, what, we, what we come to see here in chapter 3 is, as, as I was saying last week, is that people who've resolved ahead of time, as we saw in chapter 1, people who've resolved ahead of time to, 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 to follow God's way, they are able uh, to be resilient. They're able to, to see it through. And not just to cope in exile, not just to survive in exile, but also to, to thrive in exile. And how do they do that? How do they do that in the moment? You know, amidst, or amidst all the culture shock, amidst all the, 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 the confusion of the, this new culture they find themselves in. And what they do is they, they bring the culture of heaven into Babylon. In other words, what they do is they, they, they bring the values of God, God's values, into the environment that they're in. Our vision at this church, at HCC, is for every life uh, bearing fruit for Jesus. By that we mean trusting Jesus, we mean transforming lives and growing the church. And now that's the vision, that's what we're aiming for, that's what we're heading for. But how are we going to get there? How, how are we going to be? What kind of people are we, are we going to be? And, and 
to, to look at that, we need to look at our values. And at HDC, we speak about an A to H of values. Authentic, biblical, courageous, dependent, empowering, fun-filled, generous, home. Thank you. Uh, you may wonder why we stopped at H. Um, but uh, Jago, he, he, he always talks about how these are not, these are not values that we, we perfectly embody here at HDC. But they are things that we aspire to. They're things that we long to be. They're, they're things that we, we long to fulfill, long to become more and more. And I want to, in particular, uh, pick out three of these A to H of values. Three of these A to H values that, that you need in exile. Uh, values that you need as you go into the furnace. Values that you need when the, the heat gets turned up. And, and these are values that I'm aspiring to. They're values that I'm praying into. They're values that, that I'm longing to be like and to model. Three values, perhaps with a, a, a few others thrown in uh, just for free for you tonight. Now, the, the, the first value that I want to speak about is home. Home. And um, God's people here in Daniel, God's people were homesick. They were homesick. That is the very definition of exile. And just to say that if you're here tonight and you're not a follower of Jesus, and I recognize I've been throwing out all these different ideas already very, very quickly, and you're wondering, what is this guy at the front of the church on about? Well, can I, can I humbly suggest, can I humbly offer to you tonight that I believe that at one point we were all exiled from the Garden of Eden. We were all thrown out of the Garden of Eden, and we've been homesick for it ever since. The things that we're longing for, the things that we're, we're craving in life, the things that we really need, those things are the eternal. We're homesick for Eden. And so even more important in exile is to, to cultivate this sense of home. And in this chapter, in this chapter, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're mentioned 13 times. And each and every time they're mentioned, they're mentioned not individually, not independently, but they're mentioned together. And verse 16 says that they said this together. So let's say these words together coming up on the screen. Uh, these words together on the count of three. Is that okay? Brilliant. Three, two, one. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hands. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. What a beautiful sound. You've all got a part in the talent show at the Church Weekend Away. <laughs> Enjoy. And uh, I, I, I mean, it, 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 it sounds a bit like a school play, doesn't it? Uh, they're all saying these words together. They're all saying them in unison. Did they really do that? Did they really all speak perfectly at the same time? And we don't know. Maybe uh, one of the three uh, was less confident, less sure than the other one. But the other two pulled them along. What we, what we do know is that they spoke as one accord. We know that just like in Acts chapter 2, the early church, they, they were united and they spoke uh, together. And uh, what we see is, is that this is, this is connected uh, to our value here at HDC of empowering, of empowering. Because at home, in home, you're empowered uh, to all that you're meant to be. I remember 
uh, arriving in London uh, from the other side of the world, arriving here for university. And, and there was a window. There was a window for around about two or three weeks. Well, I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision as uh, to which people were primarily going to shape my attitudes, my values, my vision, how I'd spend my time, what my priorities were. And uh, I remember coming along uh, to church and, and feeling at home very, very quickly. And uh, when I arrived at church, it wasn't a case of, uh, Jamie, you can just put your feet up now. But it was, Jamie, can you help? Can you help uh, lay out Bibles before the service? Jamie, can you help welcome people into the building? Jamie, can you come forward and pray for people at the end of the service? And very, very quickly, I found myself having a purpose and having a mission in life. And after a, a season of isolation, after a time when we increasingly feel in exile and we're encouraged to live a siloed lives, each of us here at HTC, each of us, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to cultivate a sense of home here at this church. Think all about all the new people arriving in London. All the new young people arriving in London. Is it just going to be a case of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? Is it a ricocheting about from, from party to party? Or are they, they going to be scooped up and given a, a place to, 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 to flourish in family? To be people that are confident in their discipleship, confident in their place in the church. You, know, you thought you were serving on a hosting team. Now you're, you're, you're cultivating a, a place for people to grow in their resolve and in their resilience. You thought you were opening your flats for a connect group. Now you're, you're, you're creating a, a, a space for people to grow in their resolve and in their resilience. You thought you were going on a weekend away. Now you're, you're immersing yourself in family, a family that is looking and seeking to be resolved and to be resilient. So that's the first value, first value of home. And the second value builds on this. As I was saying, strength in numbers. Strength in numbers should make us courageous. Should make us courageous. In verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Willing to give up their own lives. In other words, willing to give up their reputation, to give up their popularity, to give up what the world thinks of them, to give up their comfort. Now, this, this, this flies in the face of Babylon. What do we see in verse one of this chapter? We see Nebuchadnezzar raising a statue, raising a, a statue to himself for people to worship. And here we see the, the complete opposite of that, the complete opposite of that, these young men who are willing to give up their lives, willing to, to die to themselves. It's that same invitation of Jesus Christ to take up your cross, come and follow me, and die. I was so struck chatting to, to, to someone not long ago uh, in, their, in their 20s, and um, they, they uh, told, told, told me about how 
they'd decided, they'd made the decision uh, to end a relationship that was compromising their relationship with God. And that they'd decided to uh, do that, even though the other person wouldn't understand, even though all their well-meaning friends wouldn't understand. I thought that was pretty courageous. The early church father, John Chrysostom, uh, giving his final sermon, which meant exile and eventually death, he said this, the waters are raging and the winds are blowing, but I have no fear, for I stand firmly upon a rock. What am I to fear? Is it death? Life to me means Christ and death is gain. Is it exile? The earth and everything in it holds and belongs to the Lord. Is it loss of property? I brought nothing into this world and I will bring nothing out of it. I have only contempt for the world and its ways and I scorn its honors. This is not ordinary behavior, but it is the normal Christian life. And the challenge for all of us, the challenge for all of us is to be courageous. It's the challenge that we we all face, to live by choices rather than by feelings. It's to live by the word of God. It's to be open to the Holy Spirit. It's to be the first to come forward for prayer, to be willing to accept help, to be the first to say sorry to be people that give more than is reasonable and to let God ignite, let God inflame passions that we wouldn't have dared once having in our lives. It's to step out, it's to take risks, it's to be daring. And and not everything is gonna work out the way that we'd expect, not everything is gonna work out the way that we'd imagine. But to reach the kind of people that nobody's reaching, We've got to do the things that nobody's doing. And so you and I, we're going to have to be courageous. A couple of weeks ago, I, um, at this service, I came forward for, for prayer at the end of the service. And many of you will know a guy called Jacob Adams, a lovely guy, Jacob, in his 20s here. And uh, he came to pray for me. He asked me what I would like prayer for. And I said, I would love prayer uh, for courage. Uh, I would love uh, prayer for courage. And he, he got out his uh, phone and he showed me the, the, the flip side of his phone and this initiative that he started called In Courage, In Courage, Putting Courage into Men, a community fearlessly championing men's health. And uh, this community have raised over 60,000 pounds for November. And they seek uh, to be people of unity, of honesty, and bravery. I'm proud to be part of a church like this. I'm proud to be part of a a community where that kind of thing happens, where people are setting up these sorts of initiatives. If you think back to to, to last week, think back to what I said at the start of when I started speaking tonight. Remember that just 10% of followers of Jesus are resilient, and and that's probably only 1% of the population. But there's also that saying that one man with courage makes a majority. One man, one woman, is all it takes to to, to light a spark of courage. In uh, 1555, on the 16th of October, 
The Oxford martyrs were burnt at the stake. And Latimer said to Ridley as he was being burnt, Be of good comfort. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust shall never be put out. And you speak like this. You speak like this when the fire inside of you is stronger than the fire that surrounds you. What Clapham needs, what London needs, what this world desperately needs are followers of Jesus who have a fire inside of them that burns even brighter, even stronger than the fire that surrounds them. So I want to build a sense of home and I want to be courageous. And finally, finally, I want to be dependent when I throw out these words, courage, when I throw out these uh, words, resilience. When I say those things, I'm not meaning that you, you're supposed to, to, to carry the weight and the burden of the world on your shoulders. It's not all resting on you. There's, there's, such, there's such extraordinary confidence we see in those words, those words that we all read out together from that slide. No, we don't need to defend ourselves to you. God will deliver us, and even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to your gods. And this is what happens. This is what happens when you let God take the full weight and the full force of your life. In other words, dependence. Dependence is the opposite of pride. It's the opposite of of building a monument to yourself. It's admitting it. It's acknowledging that I'm not actually the main character in my own story. What happens? What happens when these young men do get thrown into the fire? What does King Nebuchadnezzar say in verse 25? Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. They don't attach any strings to God. They don't need to attach any strings to God. You and I, you and I, we live on this side of the cross and the resurrection. And so your life and my life is indistinguishable from Jesus Christ. And so I don't need to attach any outcomes. I don't need to attach any strings to Jesus. Because Jesus, he already has his life bound up with mine. And so what happens to him happens to you. And what happens to you happens to him. Jesus, he is right there in the fire with you. So Jesus, he's going to save me. I'm not hedging my bets. I don't have any backup plan. I don't need to defend myself. I don't need any amount of virtue signaling to, 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 to amount up all the stuff-ups in my life. Because I can know that Jesus, Jesus has taken the wrath that fire of hell that that you and I deserve for our pride, for our sin, for Babylon. Jesus, he has taken it all. Jesus, he has gone into the fire for you and me. He has taken the punishment so that you and I don't need to. You know, I deserved, I deserved eternal exile from God. And yet Jesus Christ, Jesus, he he was chucked out of his home. He was 
courageous. And because he depended entirely on his Father in heaven, I don't have to experience eternal exile from my Father in heaven too. Paul tells us that because God gave up Jesus Christ on the cross, will he not also graciously give us all things? This means that God, he's not going to forget me. I'm not going to miss out if I choose to go his way. We also live on this side of the resurrection. Because Jesus has risen from the dead, I can know the power of God. I can know the God who's able to do anything. He can bring good out of evil. He can bring justice out of injustice. He's the God who can make the possible out of the impossible. Walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, only bound to Jesus Christ. And this, this value, this value that we speak of at HDC, this value of dependence, is also really uh, connected to our value of being fun-filled. Being fun-filled. I spoke to someone recently here, and uh, he and his family have just gone through the, the most unspeakable and most unbearable suffering. And over a drink, as he was telling me uh, what he's been through, the things that he's seen, uh, I, ju I just had tears in my eyes. And I asked him, how, how is it? How is it that you're someone who is always smiling? That you're someone who always seems to be on the verge of laughter? And you know, don't you? You know that people who have suffered, they know how to smile. They know how to, to laugh. And no matter what, what battering his faith takes, no matter the doubts that he has, he, he knows the presence of Jesus. He knows the presence of Jesus with him in the fire. He knows the presence of Jesus with him through unimaginable pain. He knows the presence of Jesus with him in the hospice. And so whatever small faith he has, he knows that he can rely on a very, very big God. And when I think about all the things that I'm hoping for, the things I'm hoping for my life, the things I'm hoping for my family's life, the things I'm hoping uh, for us here at HDC, I can walk about in my life with an over-realized sense of responsibility and burden. Or I can walk freely and lightly. It's my choice. And when I know that it doesn't all come down to me, but it all comes down to Jesus Christ, well, I can sleep at night. Perhaps less so with a six-month-old. But I can live freely. I can live lightly. Jesus, he, he does not place heavy burdens on us. And tonight, if you walk into this room with a heavy burden on your shoulders, it's time to hand that burden over to Jesus Christ. Because Jesus does not place heavy burdens on us. He enables us to, to live freely and lightly. And we can walk with Jesus. We can walk with Jesus even in the fire, unbound and unharmed. He makes me bold. He makes me brave. He makes me courageous. If only, if only I depend on him. And when I think about the, the, the fires that I've been through in my life, when I think about those fires, Jesus, Jesus Christ, he's never once, he's never, ever, ever once wavered in his resolve 
and his resilience to stick by me, to stick with me through those fires. And, and, and if I was to do a little self-appraisal of my life and my journey of faith, it would be this. It would be that as I've depended on Jesus Christ more and more and more, somehow in the, in the weird economy of God's grace, as, I, as I've de- de- depended on him, he, he has grown me in strength. He's grown me in confidence. He has grown me in resilience. And I, I know that many of you have been through the fire. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I know that, that some of you, you're going through the, the fire right now and, 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 and maybe God is refining you. Or maybe, maybe uh, you're in the furnace, you're in a crucible uh, that God didn't send, but in his grace he is allowing. And I, I don't mean to, to be trite, I don't mean to be insensitive. But could it be, could it be that God has an even greater purpose, an even greater plan for you through that fire. In 1536, before he was strangled and burnt at the stake, William Tyndale said this, O Lord, open the King of England's eyes. O Lord, open the King of England's eyes. The end of chapter three here in Daniel, we see that after the fire, King Nebuchadnezzar, he he hasn't really had his heart softened, and he has quite a drastic response. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what they do is, what we see is they they begin to to, to push back the darkness, to, to, to push back the evil and the pride and the Babylon. And that is what you and I can do. That is what we can do together as we go through the fire, as we go through the fire with one another, and as we go through the fire with our God, the same God who who spoke through the prophet Isaiah, that when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. There's another in the fire. You're not alone in the fire. And when you're in the fire with Jesus Christ, anything is possible. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you like to stand?